Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Cal State University's Board of Trustees is scheduled to hold a closed-door meeting this morning to discuss whether to launch an investigation into the actions of Chancellor Joseph Castro while he was president at Fresno State University. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi says hundreds of faculty and staff at one CSU campus are already calling for his resignation. More than 200 faculty and staff members at Cal State Long Beach have signed a petition calling for Castro to resign over his handling of sexual misconduct and harassment allegations against a top administrator at Fresno State. As was first reported by USA Today, while Castro was president at Fresno State, he dealt with multiple complaints over a six-year period against the university's vice president of student affairs, Frank Lamas. Castro authorized a $260,000 payout and retirement package for Lamas, and also wrote him a letter of recommendation, without disclosing a university investigation supported the allegations of sexual misconduct. Several state lawmakers have called for a more detailed investigation into Chancellor Castro's actions while he led Fresno State. Castro has said he welcomes an investigation and could have handled the situation better. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. Bay Area Representative Jackie Speer is introducing a bill that would take federal pensions away from Congress members who are convicted of sexual abuse. KQED's Raquel Maria Dillon has more. Speer said the bill was inspired by disciplinary standards in the U.S. military. Service members accused of misconduct get a court-martial and are dishonorably discharged if they're convicted. That means they lose their military retirement pay and other privileges. In a statement, Speer said federal elected representatives convicted of felony sexual abuse, quote, must not profit off the taxpayer's dime with a pension. This bill would make the consequences of a sexual misconduct conviction for senators and representatives the same as those of a bribery or perjury conviction, forfeiting the pension. For The California Report, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon. San Francisco's police chief is under fire for multiple scandals surrounding the city's police department in the past week, including the misuse of a sexual assault survivor's DNA information. Chief William Scott says he's also launched an investigation into reports that an official police department Twitter account liked a tweet from a group that mocks George Floyd. The site is disrespectful and disgraceful, and personally I find it offensive and disgusting. Scott apologized to Floyd's family and the public at a city police commission meeting last night before turning to revelations that the SFPD misused a sexual assault survivor's DNA to identify and arrest her for an unrelated crime. He says police will own their mistakes, but implied there may be more to the scandal. We want to ensure 
that this never happens again. But I found facts that I believe that are not under my responsibility or the police commissions that need to be investigated and made transparent. Misuse of the sexual assault survivor's DNA was brought to light this week by San Francisco's district attorney. Tension between the DA and police chief erupted two weeks ago when Scott accused the DA's office of withholding evidence and moved to cancel an agreement that puts prosecutors in charge of police shooting investigations. That controversy now involves the state attorney general as mediator with closed door negotiations set to continue into next week. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. The first records released to KQED under an expanded police transparency law signed by the governor last year give the public a glimpse into how police departments investigate officer discrimination. The police department of Avenal, a small town in the Central Valley, cut the pay of a sergeant for using a racial slur while on duty. KQED's Suki Lewis reports. And a warning, you'll hear a bleeped racial slur in this piece. Investigator T.J. Law with Law Associates Investigations. Have been On a hot day in September 2016, an investigator hired by the city to look into the allegations. Present with me at this interview with Sergeant Darren Pearson. Sat down with Sergeant Darren Pearson, who'd been a cop for 27 years, to ask about a comment he'd made a few weeks earlier. Tell me if this, uh, if this sounds familiar to you, not to put any words in your no, mouth. No, that's okay. When I get close to retirement and someone says something about the cops shooting black people, I'm going to say, I've never shot a That would probably be somewhat close. Okay. Pearson says he'd been out on patrol with a trainee officer, and they'd met up with the assistant chief and a citizen volunteer so that the assistant chief could hand off some information. The four men started chatting, and the volunteer mentioned a woman they'd run into earlier. Were there and she was making a big deal. Oh, my hands are up. Don't shoot me. I know you guys all like to kill black people and all that kind of stuff. Pearson says in his frustration with people who think all cops are like that, said, Sooner or later, somebody's going to say something like that. You know what? Just relax. I haven't, I haven't shot a in six months. That, that comment was not Darren Pearson. Avenal Police Chief Rusty Stivers has known Pearson for 30 years. They both worked at the Kings County Sheriff's Department for 20 years before joining the newly formed Avenal PD. I know he said it, and he can't take it back, right? And um, but that he never displayed that in the field. That's why it was kind of a, a shock to us, and that's why it was dealt with the way it was dealt with. The chief cut Pearson's pay by five percent for four months. 
Pearson retired in 2017, and according to his Facebook page, now lives in Texas. My big question was that it didn't really seem to look into Pearson's attitude toward Black people or see if if prejudice might get in the way of his ability to fairly enforce the law. Is that your assessment from looking at it as well, or do you have a comment on why that would be? That would be my assessment now after looking at it. Stivers says he'd handle a similar situation differently today. You know, five years later, especially after we have to disclose this and (laughs) the very (laughs) uncomfortable conversation with a reporter, (laughs) uh, we always try to get better. And so I would definitely maybe direct the investigator. I would direct them a little deeper. So absolutely. Along with the Pearson investigation, Chief Stivers sustained three other discrimination complaints between 2016 and 2020, a pretty high rate when you look at complaint data reported to the state DOJ. And Avenal only has 17 sworn officers. For example, the Alameda County Sheriff's Department, which has 930 officers, say they have zero sustained discrimination complaints for the same time period. I kind of was more proactive than maybe most in handling those, those types of situations. The chief found four other officers had engaged in discriminatory behavior, including making derogatory comments about women and Spanish-speaking colleagues. Statistical data is what it is sometimes, but there's a story to be told behind it sometimes. For these lower-level offenses, officers received verbal counseling or letters of reprimand. But the important thing from Stiver's perspective is that something was done. They were handled, right? They weren't, like, swept under the rug or anything like that. We'll get a clearer picture of how law enforcement investigates and addresses discrimination among its own as records unsealed by the new law continue to come in. The public is is being let in bit by bit to this previously secret realm of police misconduct. That's David Snyder, executive director of the First Amendment Coalition. But with each new door that opens, it becomes obvious that there are several others that also should be opened. For the California Report, I'm Suki Lewis. Governor Gavin Newsom will be announcing the state's endemic plan later this afternoon, focusing on how Californians will move forward and live with the coronavirus, even as it continues to spread. Dr. Eric Topol with the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla got to review the plan. He tells KPBS in San Diego he wishes it was more comprehensive. I don't think that word endemic helps us at all. I think what we should be thinking about is, do we have the virus in containment? Are there very low levels? And what are we doing to keep it that way once we get there? Topol says he thinks the plan should be focused more on getting people vaccinated and boosted and recommends the state use emerging technologies that can track the spread of the virus. And that's the California Report for Thursday, February 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. The Wesley Foundation. Investing in California's underserved youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just 
what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.